The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin. I am Tom Valentino. He is Travis Yuley. It's Wednesday night. Trav, how are you, buddy? Doing well, man. How about you? I'm uh, I'm feeling good. Got uh, got past the big, busiest work week of the year last week at a big conference down in Atlanta. And uh, then last night I survived uh, my daughter's first uh, t-ball practice. I'm, Ooh, uh, I'm volunteering. Did she do? Did know where first base was? Well, she does now. It was a productive first practice for the team. I uh, volunteered to coach <laughs> nice. uh, with a couple friends of ours, and uh, we've got about uh, 12 or 13 kids on the team, all six and under. Most of them, it's their first time oh, sounds- playing on a on a team. So I was not quite sure what I was getting myself into there, but we got some players. I'm feeling good. Uh, the Blue Crush yeah. is going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. Were there were there any kids where they like, you saw them like, go hit, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. What's this kid doing? Like. Like, wow, like, a wait a minute, you're, like, you're, impressed you're, you a little bit. Like, whoa, this kid, he's uh, you he sure he's only six? We have Danny Almonte <laughs> over here. That's the yeah, birth we, certificate. We, we, uh, no, we, we got a few girls who can rake. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm impressed. Nice. Yeah. And the, uh, the glove work solid. They, uh, it's not all, is it? I assume it's co ed, right? No, it's all girls. It's the oh, Concord really? Girls Softball League. Yeah. No kidding. You can feel an entire like league with just girls. Oh sure, yeah. The, wow. uh, the six and under division. There's there's four teams this year, so we're okay. gonna get real real familiar. Uh, I'm and sure we're gonna the, have like a, the name a, of the team. We're the Blue Crush. So. Oh, okay. That sounds intimidating. That's right. I think we're watch, gonna have a real uh, a real blood feud here with the Pink Cheetahs before it's all said and done oh, this season. Man, Pink Cheetah is a pretty good one. Yeah, that's right. They better they better look out. We're coming. That's right. But uh, I'll tell you who else is a force to be reckoned with. Our Columbus Blue Jackets. How about that's, it, man? That's right, man. Jackets time is uh, it's wild down here in Columbus right now. That's that's where I wanted to start. You're you're down there, and uh, what's the atmosphere like right now? So we went, my wife and I, we went out for we didn't like we haven't gone to the games or anything because the tickets are surprisingly uh, expensive at the moment. Um. We were out and about on the town for game four against the Lightning, uh, where they closed out the first round. And then last night we went to just a bar by our house kind of, and it's, 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 it's weird, man. Like it's honestly, you don't really know. It's such a foreign concept, I think, to the city of Columbus. Like, I think there are a lot of people in town who are Blue Jackets fans, right? But it's, it's, it's not a hockey town. And I don't know. Maybe they're proving me wrong. Maybe they just needed a team that was kind of worth rooting for, right? Because they haven't been very competitive. They've made the playoffs a couple times in the last few years, and they've gotten unceremoniously forced, forced, bounced early, right? This sure. last night was the first second round playoff game that's ever been played in Columbus. That's um, right. So it, it's, but it, it it's there's it a palpable energy. Like I'm not a huge Blue Jackets fan. I've probably 10, 12 years ago when I decided like I was going to watch hockey with my buddies and I needed a team to root for because I didn't want to root for any of theirs. CBJ were really bad. So that wasn't going to help me in the playoffs. And so I just adopted the Blackhawks because I had a few family members from Chicago like the Blackhawks. None of my friends already rooted for them. So I'm like, all right, this seems like a decent team to root for. 
and they've won a few cups and I, I follow them relatively closely during the playoffs. Um, but I don't know. I might be converted. My wife keeps saying that she thinks I'm probably going to be a, a Blue Jackets fan going forward. And that wouldn't be the worst thing ever. I'd love to be able to root for the local team. Um, I'm getting really into the games. Like I watch most of them. I think I've probably watched most of every playoff game. And the town is, is people are asking me like randomly when I'm just sitting around. A lot of times I'll go eat lunch by myself because I work from home. Um, so if I go eat lunch by myself, people just start striking up conversation about the Blue Jackets, which has never happened before in all the time <laughs> I've lived in Columbus. That's fantastic. I will say, don't entirely give up on the Blackhawks. That's a very fun team to play with on NHL 94. Oh, um, I can imagine. When the, <laughs> when the blood's coming out and everything. <laughs> Somebody's going to bleed. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. That's a great team on NHL 94. And if you're not going to go with Hartford and the Whale. Um, Blackhawks are not a bad alternative. There you go. The Whalers, fantastic color schemes. In, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. They're great. That's a classic. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. the uh, That buzz is transferring up 71 and hitting Cleveland. I am amazed by how many people I'm friends with on Facebook and I follow on Twitter who are coming out of the woodwork to talk Blue Jackets as if this is just the thing we've always been doing for years. And like, <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of lifelong fan for the last three weeks. <laughs> I'm a, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and, and try to fake it or anything. I, I I don't follow you know NHL regular season games that closely. I, I in the last three or four years, I could probably write down the the names you know every NHL game in the regular season that I've watched on a cocktail napkin and still have room to put my drink down. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's an old John Camp line, by the way. That's, that's good. Shout Save out. That one. Shut yeah. up, Camp, if you're listening. That's right. Um, but the playoffs are a whole different animal, and I, I've, I get into the playoffs every year. But um, this year, I mean, having a team with you know a little bit of an attachment to, and I was kind of following along a little bit towards the end of the regular season just because it was like I felt like the Blue Jackets seemed like they were pretty good, but, you know, had they a real didn't get hard into time. the playoffs till game 81. 81, that's what I was going to say. I was like trying to like even getting into the playoffs was a real chore. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And uh, yeah, game 81, they, they finally nailed it down. And um, I'll tell you, for uh, trying to build that fan base up for them and kind of expand the uh, the Blue Jackets nation outside of the Columbus city limits, if, if you want to get people buying in up in Cleveland, you could not have picked a better time to be going on the run that we're seeing from the Blue Jackets right now. You got the Cavs out of the playoffs in the NBA for the first time in five years, and the NBA playoffs haven't been particularly great as it is. I think it kind of still feels like the Warriors winning is a foregone conclusion. Um, Not nearly as much buzz around the NFL draft up here, although for – good reasons i mean we can actually look forward to the games this year rather than treating the draft like it's our super bowl um but those games are still four or five months away and you know the browns didn't have a first round pick because they made their big trade for odell beckham uh, over a month ago so the draft was real quiet around here compared to what it's been in past years and the indians um not really setting the world on fire right now although to be fair i don't know how they're doing this given the state of their offense but um, through the first 28 games coming into today, this is the best record they've ever had under Terry Francona. 
Really? Yes. And I didn't believe it either. They came in tonight 16 and 12. That's the best record they've had. And you look at the first six years, and that included three division titles and an American League pennant. And I'm pretty sure they've ended up over 500 every year that he's been here. So, yeah, kind of crazy through smoke and mirrors. But, um, Anyway, yeah, it's uh, the door is open for the Blue Jackets, and hats off to them. They've been they've been making it happen. Yeah, I do wonder, like how how different do you think it would they would be received right now if they were say if this was say last year when the Cavs were still in the playoffs, and you know we were we were looking forward to the finals. Even though, I mean, I think we all kind of felt last year that it was still a foregone conclusion they weren't going to be able to beat um, the Warriors, but how how different do you think it'd be viewed? Do you think people would still be getting into it or no? Down by you, yeah. I, th- I think Columbus, my, my guess just from afar is that Columbus would still be ablaze right now, but I don't think you'd be getting nearly the chatter up in Cleveland that, that you're getting right now. And, no. you know, the other thing, I mean, and you're mentioning the, uh, you know, the Cavs playoff run, and that would obviously take a huge uh, uh, piece of the, of the puzzle away for, you know, uh, interest around here in terms of hockey, but I mean, don't forget the the draft for the NFL was still pretty freaking huge last year with, you know, that, that first round that the Browns had. So yeah, I think it would be a very different scenario. The timing and the, the, the stars align here and a lot of different things. Sure. And you know, the other thing that I was thinking about, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, I've been to some monsters games, but I mean, for me, it's been more of a social event, you know, take the family down there, hang out. Um, but I mean, they they do have a I think a good following up here in Cleveland. I mean, they draw pretty well, especially for an AHL team. And mm-hmm. you look at that roster that won the Calder Cup back in 2016. Um, they've got there are some guys that were on that team that are you know playing some pretty big roles for the Blue Jackets now. And it's pretty cool if you're somebody who was really into the monsters that, you know, back then when they were going on that run to see those guys kind of come up through the system and, and make a difference now. I mean, like uh, Warensky, I think, was on uh, that blue or on that monsters team. Oliver Bjorkstrand, got to make sure I'm pronouncing that name right. I hope I did. Well, that sounds right. <laughs> he, he had the, uh, the Calder Club uh, clinching goal in overtime um, for the monsters. And no I mean, kidding. Yeah, Look at and, you and pulling out that. I know. I did a little bit of homework this afternoon. I like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, he's obviously uh, doing some big things uh, in Columbus now. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a nice little storyline. So it's weird down here, and I listen to I listen to local radio for a couple hours a day, basically. So I, I think I've even if I'm not, I wasn't super into the CBJ during the season. Um. I think I have a pretty good feel for what the what the general pulse has been throughout the year, and it was it's sort of weird because they made a couple trades, um, a couple pretty big trades actually that seemed to sort of go against uh, conventional wisdom right at the trade deadline. Um, because there's there's a general theme that Artemi Panarin and Sergey Bobrovsky are both gone in the off season. Um, Bobrovsky because he's going to want truthfully he's probably gone anyways because I don't know in my opinion and what I the little I know about hockey and this has been confirmed by people I know who know far more about hockey than me you don't give long expensive contracts to 30 plus year old goalies you just don't do it um 
and someone is going to. So you don't want to be the team that does it. If they can get him for a couple of years less than everybody's thinking he's going to get, okay, maybe they can keep him. But it sounds like it's kind of a foregone conclusion that he's gone. Okay. And then on the other side, Panarin is, it sounds like he just doesn't want to play in Columbus anymore. Um, oh. He he grew up like dirt poor. And the backstory is like he was really poor. He grew up in Russia. Um, and he wants to pick where he lives, right? He wants to live in like a big kind of high profile city. And so it kind of feels like that's the other side of it, right? Is he's gone too with the end of the season. So to see him sort of go all in at the trade deadline was a bit surprising. Then they finally barely qualify and, and back their way in. They spent the last like two to three weeks of the season trying to get a better seed so they could avoid Tampa, failed, and then swept them in the first round. So right. it, it, it's sort of weird how it's all gone, right? It, it, everyone was sort of like, you know, they stole that first game against Tampa and everyone's still like, yeah, well, you know, it's still okay, whatever. So they showed some heart and blah, blah, blah. And now like everyone is just completely flipped on them. And it does sort of raise the question, like, I don't know, would this be enough to keep Panarin? I don't think Bobrovsky is an option, honestly, period, no matter what, um, which is kind of a bummer because he's playing fucking incredible hockey. But The Bob um, chants last night were great. Oh, incredible. <laughs> Incredible. And he looked like he was having fun like after the game. Um, he looks like he's a guy who's enjoying himself. And he's had some ups and downs in Columbus throughout his career. Right, He's won a couple of Vesnas and I think a couple. I know he's got at least one. He might have two. Um, but he's also had periods where they're like, why? Like, there were people in Columbus legitimately saying they need to switch from him to um, I can't I don't know the backup guy's name. Um, off the top of my head, but there are people calling for them to bench Bob and go to the backup. Um, obviously, that would have been a terrible decision, and and that's working out right. So, it's it's been a real roller coaster of a season for them, and right now with where they're at, I don't know. It, it feels like everything's finally clicking because after they made all those trades in the middle of the season. It was it was fairly bumpy. Everyone was looking at them and and thinking, you know, this team's got a lot of talent. Why aren't they winning more? Like, what's missing? Um, and it looks like a lot of that has has kind of disappeared in the playoffs, right? They finally started clicking a little bit, and it's, it's really fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. Well, I can tell you the one thing that I kind of blew my mind. They I briefly saw them on uh, NBCSN flash up a graphic about this last night, and I had to go back and dig up the numbers. Jackets during the regular season on the power play were 28th in the league, and they have been far and away the best power play team in the playoffs. They're they're scoring on 38% of their power plays. That's 8% better than any of the other teams in the playoffs, which is just freaking insane. I also saw uh, last night that they're they're just killing it and then crazy at a crazy rate too. Right. Yeah, and I think they had a good penalty kill during the regular season, so that at least is, you know, not entirely out of nowhere, but Tampa had the best penalty kill in the whole league during the regular season, and and the the Blue Jackets just shredded them, so um, that's been wild. You you know, you mentioned that first game against Tampa with the three-goal, you know, deficit they came back from to win. I kind of feel like that was the game that just grabbed everybody's attention because, you know, that first period, you fall behind. I think all, they gave up all three goals in the first period. It was early. 
Oh yeah, they were down early. Very yeah, early. and yep. you know, I, I know Bob's had some struggles in the the playoffs in past years, and uh, it was kind of looking like here we go again. And then you know, it was one of those things where it just kind of became viral on social media. They, you know, he stopped a couple shots in the second period. They get a goal here, they get a goal there, and now all of a sudden, hey, this is getting kind of interesting. Hey, are you watching this? And Everybody that one night just kind of jumped on board and then they pulled off this ridiculous win. And it just, I feel like since then it's been appointment viewing. And I think it, I think it, it kicked up a little more after the second game game one, I think to most people down here felt kind of fluky. Okay. Like Tampa stopped trying. Um, and there might be some truth to that, but they didn't start trying again at any point either from what I could tell. Whoops. Um, yeah, they, I don't know. The Blue Jackets were just way more physical with them. And Tampa's insanely talented. There was a couple games like near the end of the season um, where the Blue Jackets played Tampa like during the regular season. Tampa looked like they were playing a different sport. Like they looked like the Globetrotters. <laughs> and it was that the, the gap looked that much different, right? They were so they just looked so much faster, much more talented. And they might be, their roster might be, but I think they're also like, they also got kind of exposed as being pretty soft. So when, you know, CBJ decided, you know, we're going to muck this up a little bit. We're going to play real physical. We're going to make you guys earn it. They didn't know how to react. Um, Boston obviously plays a little bit more of that style. Um, and I think it, sh- it shows a lot in sort of the style of play. I don't know if you, how much of the game you ended up getting to watch last night, but um, oh, I saw it start to finish. Okay, you watch the whole thing. Okay, so yep. does it does it feel like to you, and I don't know if this is just general fatigue because it's this late in the season and everyone's kind of tired um, and, you know, a little sore and all that shit, or if it's because of the way that these two are playing, but it seems like there's times where it's sloppier than you're used to seeing in the NHL. Like a lot of turnovers, guys just aren't handling the puck quite as crisply. Um they're maybe half a step slower than you're used to seeing. Um, um, and maybe it's just me, but to me, it feels like these two teams are kind of beating the hell out of each other. And it's been I mean, that, very, that, that's fine as long as you know they're they're both doing it. CBJ's not a, getting beaten up, in my opinion. But I don't have a real strong point of reference just by the lack of hockey I watched during the regular season. But I will say that it has been a very physical series, and both clean and uh, not so clean in the hitting department, um, uh-huh. which kind of uh-huh. leads me to my, <laughs> leads me to my next point. Uh, how about we talk about Brad Marchand from, uh, the Boston Bruins. So yeah, let's do that. Um, he, I don't know. Uh, uh, I, I've, I don't know how many Boston Bruins games I've ever watched in my life. Honestly, like it's, it's in the single digits. It might be like one, um, before this series, obviously. Um, he's not a, a name that I knew. As a as a very casual hockey fan, I can Same. name I can name a lot of hockey players. I think um, he's not a name that if I if you if you sat me down you know two weeks ago and said list every hockey player you know in the NHL, I don't I, I'm not saying Brad Marchand. I could probably throw a hundred names down. He's not one of them. But in talking, I talk a lot to my one friend who's a really big hockey fan. He knows hockey like he knows it a lot. He watches all the games, all that shit. Um, so I kind of just bounce questions off him, right. As I'm trying to learn a little bit more 
And he said he's a really good player, but he's also well known to just be a pest. He's just one of those guys who lets little shit sort of overshadow his play. Um, Solid player, pretty good player overall, but just kind of a scumbag, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was never more visible than last night when he sneaks up behind a guy when no one's around. Um, who's on it? Well, not no one's around, but no one's looking. A uh, guy on his knees and just jacks him in the back of the head, right? And punched Scott Harrington in the back of the head, right? <laughs> and then skates off like a right. fucking coward. So it's like if you if you're gonna, I don't know. It, it's also one of those things. Like, and I I told my friend, I'm like, how how like how do you not think any punishment? And my friend, he says they shouldn't do anything about it. They shouldn't suspend him. They shouldn't fine him. They should just let him settle it. And I'm like, but guys don't want to settle it because if they go over the line they then get suspended and they can hurt their team like in the playoffs guys don't fight it doesn't happen right um and that's because the games are more important right you're not trying to send any messages you're trying to win and make sure that everyone's available so it's sort of it it doesn't feel to me like something that should have no punishment attached to it but i also don't really know what the right punishment would be I, I have to say, I'm, I'm with you in terms of not being particularly familiar with him before this series started. I missed game one. Uh, that's the only game that the Blue Jackets have had in the playoffs so far that I haven't watched. Uh, I was uh, flying back uh, from my work trip last week when that was happening. Um, so I started the series with game two, and I can't believe, not knowing anything about him, how quickly I became annoyed by this guy and and not even knowing his backstory. And then I go and started looking into this after I saw everybody, you know, kind of outraged about that, you know, punch to Harrington that I was, you you were mentioning earlier there. He's been suspended six times in his career for a total of 19 games. And that doesn't even get into all the other incidents that he's been fined for. Um, Or like last night where he clearly did something pretty Bush league and is just going to, you know, get to skate on it. Um, in a lot of ways, it kind of reminds me of Draymond Green in, in basketball because, like, Draymond will get that one tech, especially in a playoff game, and you know that once that happens, he's got carte blanche to do whatever he wants because he knows he's not getting thrown out of a playoff game. Yep. And, and and he he's got free reign to just go do whatever, and it kind of feels like, in some ways that Martian gets a lot of the same latitude with the way he's handled that, you know, he feels confident in being able to pull a stunt like that and some of the other things that he's done and face minimal punishment for it. Although I will point out that in game two and in game three, both of which ended up becoming one goal games that the blue jackets won, he got sent to the box for two minute minors in each of those games both of those resulted in power play goals for the blue jackets so maybe things are sorting themselves out after all i i you know it's <laughs> maybe it's not you know small consolation when you're seeing your teammate get wrapped up but you know at the end of the day if things keep going like they're going you know he's going home yeah it's it i don't know it's weird to me it's like i can't wrap my head around any of the other sports where the response after 
literally just punching a guy in the back of the head when no one's looking, the response would just be, eh, whatever. Like, no one seems to be... I mean, there's certainly people saying that there needs to be a, a punishment handed down, but in general, there's no, like, outrage. Could you imagine if that happened in another sport? Well, like, the, what was it, game two, when he just, like, stomped on the guy's stick during a face-off? And that, like, that's just, that's so, like, like that's so petty. It's so petty, and you just look like, you just look like a bitch, and you're not helping your team. Like, no, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and I guess stuff like that, okay. But, I mean, in that case, he, he it didn't even work because they didn't drop the puck. He was expecting once he stepped on it, they'd drop the puck that guy would be left with a busted stick, right? Well, it didn't work. I just went and got another stick and you yeah. look like a jackass, but <laughs> like, I don't know. It's weird. He's just, you're right. He's just, he's just a pest who doesn't, I don't know. It, it's hard to really wrap my head around because I can't like Draymond green does a lot of stuff, right? That's part of his game and it helps his team. Yeah. The stuff Marshawn does doesn't seem to, in my opinion. Yeah. I was going to say, but that's the thing that was like, what you were saying with Marsha and your 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 buddy who is more dialed into these things than we are was saying like he's a really good player who just happens to do a lot of infuriating stuff. Um, you know, that kind of destri- describes Draymond. I mean, I I think he's you know they they say in the NBA there's 82 game players and there's 16 game players. I think you know he's a, a 16 game player. He's damn good in in the high leverage situations and yeah, it's infuriating to. Yeah, it's got to be infuriating for his teammates too to you know see stuff like that. So I don't know. Um, it's been fun to watch though. It's <laughs> never a dull moment in any of these games. Yeah, and and truthfully, like that, guys like that make the wins more fun. Sure. When when you when you you know you see stuff like that and it fires you up a little bit. And you're like, it, it, it makes it feel even more rewarding when the team wins. Um, I'll say this. One thing I've said for years, even when the when the Cavs were in the playoffs, um, playoff hockey is worlds more entertaining than playoff basketball. In in And I think every single game. Um, and it, it's it's funny to me to see like, a couple of our friends who I know are, are generally huge basketball fans. Um, and, and mostly they're huge, you know, Cavs fans. They're not probably watching every NBA playoff game, but um, texting them throughout the Blue Jackets games and, and they're getting like really into it. I'm like, this is what a majority of playoff hockey games are like. Like they're all this entertaining. And like, I know this week is the Derby. Um, anyone who says that the Kentucky Derby is the most exciting two minutes in sports has never watched the last two minutes of a one goal hockey game. What, what's the, uh, was it John, John Boyce, uh, the, uh, the guy who had the tweet the one time, why, uh, why watch playoff overtime hockey when you could just, uh, what was it? When you could just snort a line of cocaine <laughs> while you're riding a motorcycle out of a helicopter. <laughs> I don't know that tweet, but that sounds like it's about. <laughs> Um, it so sounds perfect. like it's on. It sounds like it's on point. It's um, so perfect. It's dead on. Yeah, and I mean, it's been extra fun this year because we've got a team we're attached to. I mean, I know you've had some fun following the Blackhawks, but um, this is kind of I, I I like watching playoff hockey, and I I've gotten into it in past years, but never to this degree. Um, but uh, yeah, and, but here's and here's what I'll of- say: like if you if you're just a casual fan, right? 
if you are sitting at home and you don't have any team playing, both your teams are out. If you have a choice between watching a playoff basketball game and a playoff hockey game, there's a 99% chance that that hockey game is going to be way more entertaining, in my opinion. I, I see in past years, if I have no rooting interest, I'd probably be going back and forth just based on what game has the you know more interesting storylines and stuff like that. I'm talking if you can only watch one and you can't go back and forth. All right. All Work right. with me here. Jeez. Uh, I, of course, I will watching say this, both is better than only watching one. I will say this year I have my hockey time versus basketball time has probably been at least a 10 to one ratio. I'm watching playoff hockey games beyond the blue jackets every night. I mean, the, the it's, it's been a crazy postseason for the NHL in general. Um, you know, it's it obviously Tampa had, you know, the amazing regular season they did and got dumped in four games and was at uh, Calgary on the other side same deal they they were the top seed in the west and i think they got dumped in five games and a lot of the teams that you're familiar with i mean the penguins got swept out of the first round and uh you know uh, vegas was uh, in in the stanley cup final last year they got bounced in the first round winnipeg got knocked out they were they had a deep run last year and you know it's it's been really really interesting just all around in in these playoff games night after night so good stuff yeah, it's one of my um, my same buddy that I talk to about hockey occasionally. He sent me a thing, and I'm trying to remember what what exactly the seeds were that got through for hockey. But it was, you know, I mean, CBJ were um, they were an eight seed, so obviously like an eight seed got through. Um, yeah, they were kind of all over the board, and in the NBA, it was just one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And I'm like, right, I don't know that that really like I think. I'm not sure what point the tweet was trying to make if it was pro basketball or pro hockey, but to me, that's sort of the point. Like you don't know exactly what's going to happen in, in hockey. Yeah. Um, And in the NBA, you don't really either other than the warriors are going to win. I think, I think there's a fair amount of parity amongst the other teams, but there's nowhere near, there's not that much parity, right? There's probably two or three teams that you even think could threaten the Warriors. And I'll even then, you're not totally sure that they could. I missed the best of five first round in the NBA playoffs. I know why they went away from that. I mean, obviously, it's more playoff revenue, and you want your you want to protect your better teams to get them through. But it the, the NBA playoff first round was more fun when the first round was best of five. Um, but, uh, you know, the other thing, just to kind of put a cap on my point that I was making before, um, in terms of playoff hockey versus playoff basketball, I I think at least for me personally, and for a lot of people here in Cleveland, the last four years of the NBA playoffs were exhausting. I mean, obviously we had a tremendous run here, four straight finals, a championship in 2016, but like by the end of those finals last year, I mean, I was, I I don't want to say I was done. I never wanted it to end. But I was exhausted, and getting a playoff hockey experience like what we've gotten so far with the Blue Jackets this year, um, it's been something new and and different, and it's exciting, and it kind of feels like a breath of fresh air. And you know, when you're not tethered to anything in the NBA because it's been, you know, such a foregone conclusion, it, it really. Um, you know, like I was saying earlier, I guess it just kind of opens the door for you to, you know, really invest in hockey. And 
God, I hope this thing uh, keeps going. And, and <laughs> you know, I, I feel like what was it, a couple of years ago we did a Blue Jackets podcast, and then the, the playoffs, they kind of flamed out pretty early. So you know, they're, they're always teetering there. Boston's obviously a very good team. But, uh, man. Yeah, big this- shout-out. Big shout-out to friend of show, Leo, who killed it last night again, obviously, as is always the case. You know, I've seen him on the, you know, doing the, the anthem before – hockey games and uh you know a few other sporting events as well and yeah i've seen him pop up on tv and you know obviously fox sports ohio and uh you know now he's popped up on uh nbcsn a a couple times it it's still really weird to see you know a friend of mine from college and somebody that we've had on our podcast you know doing these games on national tv but last night just even a little bit more special getting a nod from uh doc emmerich the, the I mean, who is like the voice of NHL hockey and has been for a long, long time. But when you get Doc Emmerich shouting you out on a broadcast, that is big time stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he nailed it. I mean, he he always does. Obviously, it's kind of routine for him now. Yeah. Um, but the crowd was wild. My wife and I, we were we were talking. We floated the idea of. So we live about a mile and a half from the arena. Probably we're pretty damn close to where, where they play mm-hmm. and floated the idea of just like grabbing a couple drinks down near the arena and seeing if, you know, 10 minutes before the game, we could score something for fairly affordable. We weren't going to pay like tickets. The cheapest ones during the middle of the day, Australia were like 150 a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so after fees, we weren't going to spend like 350 to go to a game. Right. But if they got down to 60, 70 bucks, we probably would have, stumbled over there um, trying to go with the old muni lot strategy of yeah somebody got overserved during the pregame and needed to Which, unload their by seats. the way i'm not crazy about the idea of the browns being good now because i'm not gonna have like i'm not just gonna have free tickets available to me every time i go to the <laughs> muni lot that's true like i've been i've been passing up free tickets for the last like three years when i'm at the muni lot that, that I think that that gravy train is over, but I digress. Um, yeah, the biscuit the wheels have great. come off the gravy train. <laughs> exactly, it's over. It's over. It's a good problem a good to run. have though. Had a good run. Um, but the one thing that was kind of funny was uh, I don't know if you watched the post game of the of game two when they won in Boston in double overtime. Um, but they asked the one guy and I can't remember who it was, but they asked the one guy that like, so uh, it's going to be pretty exciting to have like the set, the first ever second round game in Columbus. And he's like, without skipping a beat, he's like, I tell you what, it's going to be a lot louder there than it was here. <laughs> like, Whoa, throwing shade. Um, but he was right, man. The crowd was wild last night. It's, and I said this to game four against Tampa, and it's probably going to be true for every consecutive game from here on out. Um, the biggest non-Ohio State football game that Columbus has ever seen, I think. Um, biggest event that isn't an Ohio State football game. Um, obviously, that's always going to reign supreme in Columbus, right? Of course. Um, but the town, they're really embracing it. And I, I don't know if, if people have been sort of just like casually into it all year and they're just not loud about it or if everyone's jumping on a bandwagon. Personally, I don't really care. Like, I, I know people always throw that word bandwagon out there like it's a negative. Good teams are the ones that that's how people attract fans. That's how teams build fan bases. If teams sucked all the time, no one's going to like, no one wants to be a loyal fan of a team that sucks, right? That's how you get people on board. So 
I don't think the whole bandwagon term is is even necessarily a bad thing. I think it's it's fine. And, and if that's what these people are, then so be it. We're on there too, right? So I'll wear that badge. Yeah, I don't care. I, I think it, people float it like, oh, it makes you a bad fan. Who cares? Get over it. <laughs> I agree 100%. Well said. All right. I think uh, that's probably a good stopping point. What do you say? Uh, yeah, it works for me. All right. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're also on Stitcher and TuneIn. You can also stream us on waitingfornextyear.com. And uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nail podcast and at the nail podcast on Twitter. That's going to do it for us for this week. For Travis Uli, I am Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin. And we'll talk to you again soon. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.